Hey guys, this is The Rift, Enlightenment Within the Divide. I'm your host, Sam Denning, and today I'll be doing this thing solo. So I'll just have a little, uh, what I would call a, just a free session, uh, talking about things going on in my life and things going on around, around the world or maybe just the world of my family. We'll just see how it goes. I'm just going to have like a little open conversation. If you enjoy it, feel free to comment. Uh, if you want to have any specific conversation to me in the future, please feel free to email me at soyoholdings at gmail.com. Uh, other than that, relax and enjoy the conversation. Welcome back, everyone, for those repeat listeners out there and those people that actually, I guess, care maybe to hear what I've got to say. Um, hopefully this gets released today, and today is February 2nd, 2021, Groundhog Day. I figured I would just throw out there that today uh, we have some local groundhogs that have predicted an early spring. French Creek Freddy from... Uh, I guess I, French Creek, West Virginia, uh, he came out and uh, he did not get scared of his shadow and he stayed out. So he's predicting an early spring. And then we got Buckeye Chuck, the groundhog for Ohio. But the infamous Punxsutawney Phil, he had a different prediction today. He says we're going to have six more weeks of winter. So I don't know, believe what you will. All I can say is that uh, today here, as I am sitting in my studio, it's pretty crappy outside. We got a, it's been raining for a couple of days and then the temperature here has uh, dropped uh, pretty substantially overnight and we kept getting snow. So we had a good cover, maybe an inch or so of ice on the road and then about an inch, maybe two inches of snow. And so we got a snow day. My son did not, uh, did not have to go to school. First he had a two hour delay and then they went ahead and canceled school outright um, but right before I started this, this recording, the, the snow plow went through. So the road now you can see pavement, whereas you couldn't see it most of the morning. But then again, uh, this, re- this recording, it is 1.15 p.m. right now. So hopefully I get this released today and you guys uh, can understand those listening that are in this area of the country know about the weather going on right now. Also, I'd like to make a little shout out to my cousin, Leslie. Today is her birthday. She has a birthday on Groundhog Day. So happy birthday, Leslie, if you're listening. Um, so I just wanted to today just talk about just really pretty much anything that that I've been thinking about over the last couple of days. And one of them is for those of you who personally know me, which is probably everybody listening, um, my wife and I um, have been having immigration issues for several years. She's still here legally in the country, but, um, she's got 
a status that is not really a status. She is what they call um, in limbo because she came here on a student visa, you know, what they call an F1 student visa, and she um, had a valid passport and all that stuff, and then we got married, so she submitted some paperwork, something called an I-485. It's an immigration form which is called the adjustment of status. So what is her status adjusting to? Well, she's adjusting to become a lawful permanent resident. And how can she do that? Through the marriage of an American citizen, a.k.a. me. Well, the um, most or a lot of people think, oh, you marry an American, you're immediately, you immediately have a green card. No, there is a process that you have to go through. And sometimes it takes six months. Sometimes apparently it takes years. And sometimes the past can creep back up on us, and which in my case it has. And it's made this drag on. And I've had to do all kinds of additional paperwork and additional things. So Ying and I have been here and her status has been awaiting or pending an outcome, some sort of decision on her asking to adjust her status, her asking to get a green card, so to speak, um, in layman's terms. And right now that um, the only documentation she really has is what they call an I-797, which is a piece of paper that proves receipt of her application. Um, and that keeps her here safely until, you know, a, the, a decision has been rendered. So we kind of have constant uncertainty going on in our lives. Of course, we have two young sons, one that's one year old and one that's three and a half. And, you know, they're like any kids, you know, they're fun and, and, and you know, but they require both of their parents. Um, I, I think it's important that, you, you know, everybody needs to be around. So we're always kind of thinking, you know, what's going to happen? Are they going to deny us her request? Are they going to never tell us, which it appears that way because it's been a couple years? Um, are they going to say yes, and then everything's golden? But right now, that's the only piece of paper we really have. Now, Ying, she has a passport, but guess what? So this is where this story is going. She has, her passport has expired it expired the 1st of January, 2021. Well, she can renew it because she is a Chinese citizen, but it the embassy in which you renew passports, you have to go, you know, if you're a foreign person, you have to go to the embassy in which your region is in to go get a new passport and to go get your visa stamped and things like that. And, and the one that we're supposed to go to is in Washington, D.C., well, due to COVID, it is closed. So now we've run into her having a invalid passport. Um, you know, kind of like having your lapse and being able to have your registration on your vehicle and things like that because it was closed due to COVID. Well, she has a lapsed passport. So that throws a wrench into the next thing I want to talk about. So Ying, since she's come to the U.S., she's big, she's been driving. She's just like any other mother of young kids. She drives them to school, picks them up from school. I'm hoping in the future she'll take them to events and we can meet each other or go together or whatever. You know, being a good parent, well, her driver's license expires in February, this month, February the 16th. 
not that I want to sound like a chronic complainer, but it just seems like there's always some bureaucratic paperwork, logistical issue with our lives. We're, we're literally being um, controlled just by the shuffling of papers constantly. You know, whether that's rightfully so or not, it still sucks. Okay. Um, well, we were, when you look up, you know, because she's not a citizen of the U.S., when you look up the ways in which she can get her driver's license renewed, so she's already passed the driver's test and everything, she has to show some proofs of identification. And she has most of them, social, you know, proof of residency that she lives here and things like that, bills in her name. I mean, hell, she's even deeded onto our house. I mean, the woman is a West Virginian. Well, she does not have a valid passport anymore. And also, she doesn't have a valid visa. Her visa here is one in which um, it it was an F1 student visa, which she's not a student anymore, so that one expired because she's awaiting this pending decision. So the only paper we have is this I-797, and I was kind of resigned to, wow, you know, what luck. Come... February the 16th, 2021, she can't drive and I'm going to have to go pick up the kids. And, you know, that's okay. Those are things that we can work, work around, but it's still, you know, it, Ying doesn't have a whole lot of things that, uh, she can do around here. And she's already, you know, away from her family and things due to this whole situation. And and being able to drive was one of the things that she had that kind of made her feel free. So this was being taken away from her. Well, you know, I did Google it and things and, you know, yay, because of COVID in these situations, they, they extended the renewal period by 30 days. So she could legally still drive, well, for 30 days after the month of it expired. So she could still drive till the last day of March legally on her license. But um, I'm thinking to myself, well, gosh, you know, everything seems to be such a major fight. And I, you know, I, I always want to lean on the sides of, yeah, I think it's crazy that we would be offering illegal immigrants driver's license licenses and, and things. And while I still think that's kind of crazy, like here's an instance where someone might say my wife's illegal. She does not have an actual status. Now, while she's not illegal, she doesn't have a status. I don't, it's kind of complicated, but um, her only thing here to keep her here legally is a paper that says, hey, I've submitted a form and I'm waiting for you guys to tell me, you know, whether it's okay or not. Well, hell, I mean, everybody that knows me, we are married. We have two kids. I mean, this woman is making her life in the U.S. She pays taxes in the U.S. with me on a joint tax return. I mean, give me a break. And so I'm sitting here thinking, my God, we're going to have to we're going to have to fight for a driver's license renewal, which several months back, and I'll eat my own words, I'm thinking, gosh, it's crazy to give people that don't have the right documentation a driver's license. Well, here I am sitting in a situation where my wife doesn't have the correct documentation for whatever reason, okay? So today I was, I called up the DMV. I thought, I'm going to fight this. I'm going to try to explain it. I know I'm going to get some answering machine or something, you know, I mean, it's, it's the DMV for God's sakes. It's horrible in person. I couldn't imagine how it'd be over the phone. Well, got to give them kudos. I got shot. I was the 36th person in line when I called and it only took about 30 minutes 
and I got through to someone. They transferred me to somebody else, and this lady, she asked, you know, the whole story, what the situation was. I said, look, she her passport's it is expired, but she could renew it, um, except that it's closed. You can't physically go there to get it renewed. So the woman heard me out, and she goes, okay, let me take her name and information and stuff and go to one of your local DMVs. You know, in Huntington, you have to set an appointment. You know, up in Winfield, Taze Valley DMV, you can still walk in, yada, yada, yada. But she goes, if you have that I-797, that receipt document, and a couple other forms, and her passport, even though it's expired, we understand that situation will very, very likely let it go through. So I'm saying all this because that's some glimmer of hope. While we still don't have a piece of paper that says she's a lawful permanent resident yet Ying may get to keep her driver's license which is one piece of freedom for her and us and the kids so you know uh, for those of you that have been or whatever or those of you that do you know are religious people keep praying for us this is a struggle that we constantly have uh, you know the immigration situation in this country I do think people need to immigrate legally but by God they could make it a lot less complicated and less um, it's like the DMV on steroids. It's like the DMV in Huntington only over through mail. Um, if you can wrap your head around that at all, then maybe you'd have some sympathy for the situation. And those of you that obviously know us, you know, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a struggle. It's a constant, you know, rope that has us tethered that we can't really get too far away and have enough... Um, feel like we are able to really set a good course and know that it is intact permanently. You know, we need to have some sort of, uh, I don't know the, the right word for it. We need to, we do, we just need to, to know, <laughs> to have, to have the uh, knowledge that everything will be okay. Everything always just seems up in the air. And I know that that is life in general, but ours literally is, up in the air. So that's one, one glimmer uh, of hope here that her license, it seems very likely her driver's license will get renewed and she can keep driving. So that's good. Um, you know, there's other things going on, uh, not necessarily with us, but I, I feel like, um, you know, I wanted to delve into talking a little bit about my interest in coin collecting and how that's coincided with uh, my interest in precious metals. I have always as a child and as a boy scout been a coin collector. I like to collect old American coins. I like to collect foreign coins, but particularly old American coins. I've gotten good enough that I can grade the coins and approximately tell you what I think, uh, how its condition is and its rarity. Of course you use books for these things too, but, um, as time has gone by, I've almost gotten into, quote, investing in what they call junk silver, which is old American silver. Not, not you know, 9.999% pure bullion, although I'll, I will buy silver bullion too. But I like having the junk silver, the 90% silver that was minted in the U.S., you know, prior to 1964. And I think that stuff's cool to have. Uh, I like to get some when I can. I've inherited some. I've bought some. I've been given some. Um, you know, it 
you never you never come across that stuff in circulation anymore. So it's cool to hang on to. Well, through that, I've gotten to believe that with all this money printing, you know, regardless of what party you're in, I mean, you can't help but think that, or what party you're associated with, what that you can't help but think that the more money that gets put out into the economy, the dollar will likely get devalued more and more and more and be worth less and less and less. And traditionally, gold and silver, but mainly gold, has been the store of value for money. It's been the agreed-upon thing through most of human history that has value. People have traded things for gold for quite a while. It's kind of an established thing. And therefore, silver somewhat as well. And both gold and silver have uses in you know, uh, other applications in which it also has a demand. The demand isn't just buying it to hoard in some safe, you know, silver and gold are in electronics, they're in things like that. Um, well, those are now competing with Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. So those cryptocurrencies are supposedly going to represent the same thing, a store of value. You can only mine so much Bitcoin, just like there's only so much gold out there. But so where am I going with this? Well, I've got this hoard, which really isn't a hoard. It's just a couple silver coins in there. But I've, I've taken that into getting into investing in some of these mining companies, the companies that mine for gold, mine for silver, and they're all speculative investments. But uh, here recently, you know, Reddit, a internet forum, has been doing this thing called Wall Street Bets, and these they're choosing different segments of the stock market that have been heavily shorted. And that's, I'm not going to get into all that, but anyway, they're choosing to try to run it up, you know, go in and buy and buy and buy these things that have been heavily oversold, shorted to drive the price up and, you know, screw the people that shorted it. Right. Well, um, they, uh, did that to silver last week and into this week, which was cool. It drove the price of silver up. One of my miners did really, really well. So I'm kind of pumped about it. Um, There's been a lot of talk about whether this kind of thing needs to be regulated, whether they need to look into it and see all these people. And I just wanted to throw out on this podcast that my thoughts are no. I mean, this is stuff that these hedge funds and these billionaires have been doing, you know, for a long time and they've been able to ma- manipulate the stock price and the stock market and, and things like that. So now here's the small man that's kind of able to team up to make a bigger, a bigger group and, and, and move and make waves in the stock market too. So more power to those guys. And I want to thank them for uh, helping me enjoy a ride on a silver mining stock. Um, but I actually ended up losing <laughs> so far. I mean, you don't lose or gain until you sell. So I haven't sold it yet. I'm just going to hang on to it. But um, I don't want to throw names out there because I don't want to I don't get in trouble for talking about it. But uh, it's been pretty fascinating. And I still do have, no matter what, a fascination for physical gold and physical, physical silver. And I, if, if anybody wants to have a conversation about that or cryptocurrencies, you know, send me an email. I'd love to talk about it. But uh, that's been on my mind this week because I'm sure anyone who's paying attention to any sort of news has been able to follow that. There's been people that have made tons of money on GameStop, um, which honestly is probably a dying company, but you know, the market seems to be very, very, very loosely tethered to fundamentals anymore and more, more here recently and, and in the, and in the past has been 
driven a lot by psychology and emotion. So it's fascinating to see where this uh, Reddit Wall Street Bets, you know, group is their laser eye pointed on, you know, as time goes on, it seems like they're going to just keep doing these things. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of, kind of waves they can make, whether they can keep it going or what. It's kind of cool. Um, there are uh, a couple other things I kind of wanted to wanted to talk about here. I'm redoing a house um, in Huntington, and uh, from a, fi- a strictly financial standpoint, you know, I'm always the gears are spinning in my head. Is it better to sell it? And, you know, I guess, quote, flip it or refinance it, pull the cash out and um, rent it. So here just recently, my partner and I on this project have thought, yeah, we might just sell this house because we can we can get the money from selling it. It's a nice house. It's in a good neighborhood. The, the neighbors probably would be happier if a person, you know, owned it, lived there instead of being rented. And we kind of can take that cash and move on to maybe bigger, better investments or keep it ourselves or, or whatever. But it seems like in Huntington, and I hate to talk badly about Huntington, but they do fee you to death. So from a business perspective, it doesn't make any sense in my mind. And I've heard arguments otherwise. And if you'd want to have a debate about this on, on a podcast in the future, if you're listening, it would be fun to hear different schools of thought. And I entertain this thought. This th- these thoughts go back and forth in my mind constantly. But is it better to sit and pay all these municipal fees, storm drain fees, you know, sewer deposits and sewer fees and um, the refuse bill, which seems very, very high for what you get, you could actually get the same thing from Republic Services for cheaper, but Huntington um, basically has a no-compete thing. If you live in the city of Huntington, you have to pay for their trash pickup if you have less than four units on the property. So you can't even call Republic and try to shop it. Seems very um, anti you know, competition. So the price, they can make the price whatever they want for trash. You know, you got taxes, which are through the roof. If you do rental, it's double what it would be if you lived in the house and B&O tax on the rental. It just seems like having this in Huntington and holding on to it and having to make the mortgage payment and all that just seems like an awful lot of work to make very little money in the short term. So maybe, maybe ultimately, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a seller's market and a buyer's market right now. The rates are low due to the pandemic. People can get a lot more house for a lot less money, you know, less monthly payment. So I've kind of flip-flopped. I went from renting this place to now I think, I think we might just sell it. Um, And these are the kind of thoughts, you know, take the money and put it into a multi-unit building where it is a rental. It is, you know, it's already made for that. The, neighbors know that it's a rental you're not taking some home that people used to live in and turning around and trying to make a buck off of it renting it and maybe that'll help do our part in Huntington I mean we've already fixed this place up pretty nice it was somewhat run down and um, just needed a little bit of TLC and uh, you know irregardless of whether we rented it or sold it we've, we've cleaned the neighborhood which wasn't even bad off we've we've made it that much better but maybe if we sold the place, it would make it even better. And the neighbors actually might like us, send us a card instead of call us for complaints about the tenants. So that's kind of been on my mind here recently. I've, I've always got the gears 
spinning on that. Um, you know, uh, it, it's always a, a thing that I, like I said, I'd love to maybe debate it or talk about it, discuss it on a future podcast with, uh, some, anybody, you know, my buddy, Tony, who's been on here before talking politics, he's also a property owner and he and I have constant debates as to whether it is wise to own single family homes versus multi-unit homes. And I, in time, have determined that it's the best to own multi-unit homes. And I particularly, my business model is one-bedroom multi-unit homes. I, you know, I'll take two, I'll take anything if the price is right. But one-bedroom apartments, they, they don't rent for as much, but they're more affordable for people. You only have to deal with one tenant. Yeah, they might be more transient, move in and out and things. Um, but as tenants move in and out, um, that's kind of when you're able to raise the rent a little bit to keep up with inflation. Whereas if you get a tenant locked into somewhere for years, that has its own sets of positive things about it. Like you don't have to go in and paint and do this and that, but your rent stays flat, which is what is what actually, especially in Huntington, you know, these properties don't really, um, they don't really go up in value, appreciate. They just appreciate with, you know, inflation with the price of rent and you go to sell something that's rented. It's basically the sale price is based off of a percentage of its rental income. And if your rental income hasn't kept up with inflation, then you didn't really, you know, you didn't appreciate the value of the property that much on the sale and you end up selling it for the same thing you bought it for. And you just lived off of the quote rent the whole time, which usually is not very much because you have tons of bills to pay. So ideally, you know, these one bedroom apartments, they turn over a little bit more frequently. And so you can kind of keep the rents in pace with what the market rent is at the time, therefore keeping up with inflation. So the building should appreciate. This is my thought, mind you, for those listening. Um, and there's only so much damage that someone can do to one bedroom. You know, if you got to go in there and paint it, you can paint it in a day. Um, you can, you can put in new kitchens and new bathrooms and they're real small. You know, they're nice little quaint little kitchens. They're maybe seven cabinets, little countertop, go in there and paint. You know, it's the most, you might have two weeks to a month of a vacancy in a one bedroom apartment. Plus you don't have tons and tons and tons of tenants. You don't have tenant disagreements, you know, with two bedrooms, oftentimes to get the rental amount that you need to pay for the building, then you don't all the time have families renting two bedrooms. Sometimes you have two other unrelated people splitting the rent. And that, that inevitably, not all the time, but inevitably leads to disputes amongst the tenants. And, you know, you're just dealing with things that aren't related to fixing a toilet. You end up being a mediator between two people arguing for a year. And, you know, having one bedroom apartments ultimately generally keeps that kind of stuff down. Also, um, they, you know, you can have four or six one bedroom apartments in a building and you can hedge your, your investment. You can have one or two of them go empty and still be able to operate the building without digging into your, in my case, money from mowing grass. So, um, I, I just think that multi-unit buildings are a good way to go. And I think that particularly one bedroom apartments are a very good way to go. Um, I would love to hear anybody else's opinion to the contrary, or maybe their agreement and just have a nice little discussion on here. 
Um, I hate to keep bringing that up, but (laughs) I keep having the same people that are willing to do podcasts with me. And generally speaking, they want to talk about stuff that I really don't want to get to get into anymore on here. I kind of want to, I'd like to, I don't mind doing these monologues are kind of fun. Today was not uh, organized whatsoever, as you can probably tell by listening, but um, it, it would be nice to get some fresh people on here and talk about things that are interesting to me and maybe interesting to you guys that aren't really related to the political climate. Like, you know, talk, you know, I'm into rental property. I'm into cutting grass. Maybe anybody listening that wants to talk about their, their delving into rental property, please, please shout out to me. Or if you have any other ideas, you just, you want to talk about anything or you have some sort of hobby that you think is fascinating and it obviously it fascinates you. Maybe, maybe somebody out there would want to hear about it. So please feel free to reach out to me um, at Soyo Holdings, S-O-Y-O-H-O-L-D-I-N-G-S at gmail.com and just uh, send me a quick little message or comment on the, the Podbean website or whatever app you're using to listen to this thing and just shout out and say, hey, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to talk to you about something. Um, maybe the listeners hadn't thought of or maybe they don't know that I'm into this or maybe they don't know me and I'd like to get this out there. You know, I, I'm open for doing anything, and, um, you know, it's fun to talk about these things. I kind of get pigeonholed and always want to talk about money, as you guys probably noticed. You, you know, always want to talk about some form of politics, uh, things like that. And while I'll probably touch on, I think I'm going to do a future podcast on cryptocurrencies and the fascination with those and what they are supposed to be representing. I think I may have a special guest uh, lined up for that here in the future, you know, I don't really have too much more lined up at the moment. And uh, with the pandemic still raging on, um, you know, if anybody would want to come here and be, you know, be safe in my little studio here for a while and hole up and maybe have a drink or two and just have a nice recorded conversation, please, please feel free to hit me up. Um, With that being said, I'm sure I could talk and talk and talk and talk. Um, there's so much more to tell about my, uh, my immigration saga with my wife, but I need to run it by her before I start publicly talking about it. And maybe I'll do an entire separate podcast series on how to navigate the cluster of the immigration system, uh, from the perspective of an American trying to navigate it. And maybe from the perspective of an international person, in this case, a Chinese person trying to navigate it too, while they're living in the United States. Um, all the meanwhile, there's political controversy over the rules and regulations, which just throws another element of sometimes hope, oftentimes false hope. Um, It's just a complicated mess that I'd love to delve deeper into. Hopefully you guys learned a little bit more about me and us today. And uh, like I said, shout at me if you you have any questions. If you like the podcast, give it a thumbs up. Um, With that being said, thanks for joining in on the Rift Enlightenment Within the Divide. I hope you enjoyed this conversation.
again, uh, everybody, thanks for listening. And this is your host, Sam Denning. Feel free to shout out me if you want to join this conversation face-to-face or even over the phone. Feel free to email me. And if you want to hear more about my saga and my life story, give me words of encouragement and I may possibly release it to the public. Later.